0: Hi, everybody. My name is Erica. I am our Graham Student Ministry Pastor. I'm one of our teaching pastors here on staff, and I am so glad that you're here with us as we kick off our brand new series, Asking for a Friend, where we are answering the questions that you have asked. But isn't that phrase, like, asking for a friend? It's pretty funny because, honestly, we should all be asking questions about following Jesus all the time, but oftentimes we feel really weird about asking those questions, and so we don't. Now, I can always tell if a person probably has some questions about following Jesus that they don't feel comfortable asking someone based on how they respond to finding out that I am a pastor, because most of the time people get kind of weird. Last year, I was at a a funeral for a family friend, and so there were a bunch of people there that I hadn't seen in a long time, so I saw another family friend, and I hadn't seen him in probably like 15 years, so I would have been 14 the last time he saw me. And he's like, Erica, how you doing? What's been happening? And I'm like, well, I went to high school and I graduated and I went to college and I graduated and I, I moved back to the area. And I just kind of hoped he would just let it be at that. And he goes, oh, that's great. So tell me, what are you doing now? And I was like, I looked at him and I said, I will tell you, but you have to promise to not be weird. And then he was like, okay. And I was like, I'm a pastor. And he immediately got weird. He was like, oh, oh, that's, that's, so, that's so great. That's like so good for you. I'm, that's so great. Church like really isn't for me, but I'm like so happy for you. And I, went, and I looked at him and I said, you made it weird. You don't have to get defensive because I'm a pastor. Like it's fine. And honestly, in that moment, I just wish that I had kind of lied and said like, I'm a barista. Uh, but the minute someone would have asked a secondary question, I would have just crumbled because I'm a really, really bad liar. But I was thinking about, why are we so bad at asking questions, especially around faith? And honestly, I think the reason falls on the people who have already followed Jesus, because we don't respond well when people ask questions. Most of the time, when people ask us questions about faith, um, we get defensive, we get outraged, we're shocked that someone could even ask such a question. And that's not the case at all. So I'm gonna give all of us a crash course in I've just been asked a really tough question and I'm not sure what to do. Number one, you need to keep your own face and your own emotions in check. Here's the deal, especially, especially if you are at all an authority figure in this person's life, you are setting the tone for how they feel about the question that they've just asked. Number two, Don't panic, be curious, ask more questions. What is prompting asking this question today? Where are these thoughts coming from? How are you thinking that this might play out in the long run? Don't panic, ask questions. Number three, if you don't know the answer, do not. I repeat, do not make up an answer. Don't, especially around topics of faith, because I am actually walking with friends who are deconstructing their faith because someone told them something that cannot be backed up by the Bible and they built their whole faith around it and they're learning that that is no longer true and they're having to do some work to undo all of that. And number four, if someone asks you a tough question around faith, have love and humility. No one was ever argued into the kingdom of God. We are not called to be lawyers on behalf of Jesus. We are called to make disciples. Now that we are all on the same page here around how to address a tough question, let's get into the question we are looking at today. So, uh, we asked the people here at Rainier View, What are your questions around faith? And we got a ton of them. And there is no way that we can answer all of them in this series, but we tried to group up ones that felt pretty similar to one another. And one of them, a topic that we found across the board was, I'm struggling in my faith, or what do I do when I'm struggling with my faith, or my friend is struggling with their faith, or, or I, I don't think I'm good enough for God to love me, and therefore my faith is struggling. And so that's what, we're talkling, that's what we're tackling together today, struggling with our faith. And I think that the best thing that all of us can do is first take a moment to realize that the world around us is not making it easy for us to have faith in Jesus. The world around us is wiring us to, to hustle hard, to be certain about everything, to rely only on ourselves, but actually having faith in Jesus means means learning to rest, being okay with some uncertainty and some mystery it means trusting in a savior but a savior that we won't necessarily get to see face to face there are some really interesting challenges that come with that all of the time that's counter it's counter to the way the world works to have faith so so embrace that embrace that following Jesus isn't something that we can do easily or something that we can do on autopilot. It's something that requires us to show up every single day with intention and trust and a little bit of mystery as we continue to navigate this. Now, oftentimes, one of the things that can get really tricky for people is the comparison game when it comes to faith. And they think, well, well, if only I could have been like, like the disciples or someone who had walked with Jesus, I wouldn't struggle because I had I'd seen Jesus, and, and I hate to break it to you, but you would actually still struggle if you had a chance to sit down and talk with Jesus today. You would still struggle with having faith because that's actually exactly what happened with people who were following Jesus back then. They struggled with their faith. We are going to spend some time together today in John chapter 20. That's actually where we're going to camp out for most of our time together. version is a great resource to download if you want to have um, the Bible on whatever device that you use on a regular basis. All of the verses will be up on the screen as well for us together today. And John falls into a category of book found in the Bible known as a gospel. Now within the Bible you can find a bunch of different genres of writing. There's history and there's poetry, there's letters, and then there are the gospels. And gospels like Kind of an interesting genre because you don't find it um, basically anywhere else. But gospel means good news. And it was good news that Jesus came to earth. And so the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we're going to be today, tell us about how Jesus lived, what he said, and how he carried himself. So let's jump in to John chapter 20, verse 1 together. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples or the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So Jesus has already lived his life. He's built his friendships. He's had his disciples and he has died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And now the part that we all talk about is like, okay, he's going to rise again. This is so great. The disciples had some questions in Jesus time on earth he had 12 disciples and he had several close followers and and they learned from him they committed to being with him they traveled with him I feel like you learn so much about a person when you travel with them and Mary Simon Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved they were all close to him and they had heard Jesus say things like look I'm gonna die and and I'm but I'm, I'm gonna come back They would have heard him say this. They would have had opportunities to ask questions, to figure out, hey, what does this mean? What do we do about this? How do we navigate this? And Joe, our Parkland campus pastor, shared this statistic with me that was mind-blowing and also really comforting. The disciples and the people that Jesus would have been close with would have had at least 24,000 hours of FaceTime with Jesus. That's so much time to ask questions, to learn things, to gather things. It takes 10,000 hours and something to be considered an expert. So if they had more than double that and they still struggled, they still didn't completely understand, of course you and I are gonna struggle. Of course you and I are gonna have moments of questions and doubt and having to wrestle through things. Give yourself some grace there. If they struggled, we're gonna struggle. So Jesus, in this particular moment, he's died on the cross. His his besties, his closest people have shown up to the tomb and he is not there. They're shocked. And not only are they shocked, they are also sad. Let's keep reading in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. At the start of this, Mary is understandably so sad. She has seen how her friend, her teacher, her rabbi was treated in his life, in, in how he died. And she can only imagine what is happening to his body in this moment. And it has not clicked for her and for the other disciples that what is, ex- what is happening is exactly what they were told would happen. In fact, Mary doesn't even realize that she is talking with Jesus until there is an unmistakable comfort piece. Until there is something for her to know for certain that it is him and it is how he says her name. Any time our life circumstances change from what they were when we first found faith, it can make it really hard to keep going. Faith struggles will continue. And a place where I, as the student ministry pastor, see this happen a lot is when a student goes from living at home to, to having graduated or not living at home or living maybe on a different schedule than the rest of the family Their circumstances have changed and therefore continuing to have faith is proving to be really, really difficult. And I think one of the coolest parts about what I get to do as a student ministry pastor is walk alongside students as they are becoming their own person, as they are looking at what the world looks like and figuring out, okay, what does it mean to follow Jesus in this new circumstance and in this new way? That's one of the things that I love the most about student ministry. It's one of the things that my leaders are so passionate about being able to do is walking alongside students in those moments as they navigate that. And every parent that I speak to who is already in a place where they are following Jesus, that's what they want for their kid. They want their kid to be someone who follows Jesus after they graduate from high school. In student ministry, we are passionate about coming alongside students and families. And so if you are out there and you are watching and you're trying to figure out like, what do I do? It feels like a weird pitch for me to be like, come be part of student ministry, but it's not because I'm awesome. It's because my leaders are awesome. It is because the people that serve in student ministries care so deeply about each student that walks through our doors to help them learn how to take their faith from a faith that happens at home to, a, to their own faith, to internalizing it, to learning and to growing alongside that. And honestly, parents, as much as the world is changing for your teenager, the world is changing for you too. Do not feel like you have to go alone. Please join us in student ministry. Let us come alongside you, serve you, and support you. But maybe you're watching this and you're like, "Um, I'm not a student and I'm not the parent of a student and I don't serve in student ministry. So what does that mean for me? Well, anytime your circumstances change, it can be hard to figure out what does faith look like in this new season? What does faith look like when when that person in the office who I knew also loved Jesus, like I have a new job now, who in the office is gonna be alongside me in that? I could show up and I could be brave in my workplace every day because I knew that I could go to my best friend's house at the end of the day Well, my best friend has moved. I knew what it meant to have faith within this relationship but that relationship has ended and I'm, I'm just not sure what to do. Our brain is always trying to find the easiest way forward for us to live. So that's why starting a new habit is always so difficult because it's a disruption in routine and it's a disruption from the baseline that we've come to live with and feel comfortable with and feel good about being in. So when we go through a major change, when everything else already feels so difficult, our brain is trying to be helpful and saying like, learning how to manage your faith here seems bogus, seems like a lot of work, don't try. But that's why it's so difficult for us you're not broken, it's okay. And it's not just that a change in circumstances mean that our brain is trying to protect us by going down the least difficult path. It also means that we are learning everything new all over again. It's okay for these seasons to be really difficult. When I, uh, several years ago, when I was on staff here, I mean, I've been on staff here the whole time, but. Uh, there was someone else on staff and he, uh, his name was Ryan and he had been a boss and a mentor, a friend. He'd kind of been my student ministry pastor even. Um, and when he was like, hey, I've got a new job and I'm going to a new church, I literally was like, I don't know how to do ministry without you here. Like, can I even do ministry without you here? I had a real struggle in that moment of figuring out, how do I do this in this new season? It, it, it comes for all of us. So if you are in a season where faith feels hard or you're preparing yourself because eventually for all of us, it loops back around to where faith feels hard again, I'm going to give you advice that is going to seem really counterintuitive. Like if you've been in church for a while, you're going to be like, excuse me, you're saying what? But don't worry, I'll explain it. And if you have not been in church for a while, don't worry, you're going to be like, I don't understand why that's big deal advice. Don't worry, I'm going to explain it. If you are in a season where you are struggling with your faith, be like Doubting Thomas. I know some of you are shocked that I've just uttered those words. Thomas was one of the disciples and he develops the nickname Doubting Thomas because there was a point in time after Jesus had like resurrected, all of the remaining disciples were hanging out in a room together and Jesus showed up to them But Thomas wasn't there. And so before Jesus can get to Thomas, the disciples get to Thomas. And they're like, you won't believe it, man. Like Jesus is here, it's so great, it's so cool. And I want you to hear what he says in response to them. Verse 25 says this. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And now you are asking a very real question. Erica, you have already told us that like we're not going to get to see Jesus. So what do you mean I need to be like a doubting Thomas? I need to ask and look for these things. That's not what I'm saying. Don't ask to see the crucified holes at this point. But figure out what might be the crucified holes in your life what are the reminders? What is the the proof, the evidence that God has not forgotten about you, that God is still doing great things here on earth, that good stuff is still happening despite the really hard circumstances that you might have found yourself in? Here are the things that exist on my list. Uh, Number one, flowers that grow from bulbs, Blow my mind every time. It is this reminder that God provides in ways that we cannot see, fathom, or experience. People who tell me that they are praying about specific things in my life, before I even tell them that, hey, like I would like for you to be praying about this. When that happens, mind blown. Uh, Friends that I know love Jesus, when they speak into my life, I'm like, all right, God is still doing something. Maybe I have not heard directly from God in a hot minute, but this friend has spoken truth into my life. Number four, random little moments along the way that remind me that God has not forgotten who I am. These markers all along the way help me keep going when faith feels hard. In fact, on, I remember um, on the day when, when Ryan had said like, hey, like I'm not gonna be on staff here anymore. I got really sad and I left uh, cause I don't like people seeing me be sad. And I went to Starbucks and I walked into Starbucks and I saw that they had this like lemon sprinkle cookie, which meant that it was a bright yellow cookie with like rainbow sprinkles all over the top of it. And I love yellow and I love sprinkles. And I started crying again. And I'm not saying that God like orchestrated this moment for me to find this cookie. Maybe I don't fully know how all of that works, but it was this reminder that God was like, Hey, I have not forgotten you. There's still good stuff happening, even though you're sad. Keep going, and so I've, I've kept going. I'm still doing ministry. Keep, keep going. Look for those markers, keep your eyes on it. Learn to see what is happening. And, and I don't think that asking for those things is frowned upon at all. Sometimes people will say, you shouldn't ask for stuff like that. I think that we should, based on what we see in verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again And Thomas was with them. Though the the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus was okay with showing Thomas, look, this is who I am. If these are the things that you need, awesome. I am happy to show them. Here's the bottom line. We all struggle with faith because faith isn't something that we can easily have all the time in this world. It's the truth, we will all struggle. And there are seasons where faith is strong and there are seasons where faith is is really hard. It happens to new Christians, it happens to pastors, it happens to the most faithful people that you know. We all find ourselves on this, this up and down, faith is great, faith is harder to have. No one gets to the end of their life and looks back on it and is like, "Whoo, that was a piece of cake. No doubts, no questions. Everything was super chill the entire time. If you are struggling in your faith, if faith feels hard, you are not weird, you are not alone, you are not forgotten. You are just in a hard season and it will change and it will shift for you again. If you're watching this in real time, uh, it's January 8th and it is a new year. It is 2023. And I have really complicated feelings around the start of a new year. And a lot of it is because of the messaging that exists during this time. People are like, "Just, just train harder, just build new habits and all of your problems will be solved. And I don't know how to break it to you, but like better biceps will not help you have better faith. And like a 30 minute cleaning routine is not the thing that's gonna always help you draw closer to Jesus. But in this season, if you are training yourself for anything, train yourself to keep an eye out on those things that are concrete reminders that God still sees you, knows you, loves you, and has not forgotten you. Train your eyes to look for that because it is not something that is going to come easy but it is going to help you get through hard seasons of faith and it's a gift and here's the other thing again if you're watching this in real time we are getting ready to launch a new quarter of community groups here at Rainier View sign up to be in a group because here's the other thing that I found I think that part of the reason Thomas was able to be bold and brave and say like look I need to see these things is because he had the disciples who had built relationship with around to believe enough for him until he could believe for himself. We need people around us cheering for us, encouraging us, places where we could be honest, places where we can say, these are the things that I need to be looking for. Can you help me keep my eyes on them? Join a community group, sign up for one today. I think that it will help you so much. If you right now are watching this and you are struggling in your faith or you are not struggling in your faith, building a strong community around you is a key thing to help you keep going. When circumstances shift, when things change, keep going, you are not alone.